Thank you for tuning in to the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. Hi, boys. Good evening. (laughs) Ready, break. Everybody, we are ready to have a, a very exciting discussion with you tonight about all things rusty. James, what's the topic for tonight, dude? Well, we've, we've been talking off the air about season two and what it's looking like and shaping up. And I think we're going to keep it pretty loose tonight, but the general theme of these last conversations and upcoming conversations are kind of geared around the aspects of either restoration as a business or looking for opportunities to make money while you're rest- restoring or taking opportunities with companies, improving your restoration project and also potentially um, getting extra money on the side. So just kind of keep it loose, keep it light, but get into what we're talking about and what we're working on and kind of thinking about those lines as we're interviewing folks and as we're diving into it a little deeper. Absolutely. Yeah, full disclosure, I mean, we're a lot like most of you who, I mean, we get, I, I get asked a lot, you know, how do I sell tools or whatever? We don't have all the answers. We're not tool sellers. We're not uh, generally doing this for the money. Uh, um, but, I mean, I think a few of us have, I think we have sold stuff in the past. And we're bringing people onto the show that do this for a living. Uh, you listen to PJ Galati, the junk hunter. His interview. We've got some guys coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks that are gonna that are full-time salesmen selling restored goods. So listen up. We can listen, hear some of our opinions, our thoughts, and continue listening to get some of the real deep-down insights. Absolutely. And if you disagree with us, you can always contact us on our Instagram at the Restoration Podcast <laughs> or on our email, which is the Restoration Podcast at gmail.com. We would love to get your angry emails and messages telling us how what a terrible job we did. So please send it to our Instagram or the Gmail so we can get more better. Yeah, if you disagree with us, feel free to flame us on on uh, on Instagram and share with ten of your friends so they can share with ten of their friends. Absolutely. Seriously, we uh, we enjoy everybody's feedback. We enjoy the the small community that's forming around this, and we really want to make this as beneficial for everybody while the three of us have fun making it. So uh, any feedback's appreciated. But uh, yeah, to uh, today's point, we're, we're hoping to talk to a bunch of people in, in many different aspects in this arena. Uh, PJ is a great resource. He will talk to anybody. Uh, if you have interesting questions for him, I'm sure he'd love to uh, hear you out and talk to you more in person about how he goes about the business of finding tools uh, and then putting value into them and turning around for a profit everyone's got their own game it kind of comes down to who you are what you can do where you are and how you want to sell and who you want to deal with so um there's a lot of there's a lot of resources out there a lot of great people in this community that are happy to help and maybe some of these interviews will set you guys up to find some more resources to talk along these lines and nothing else will keep it entertaining so absolutely yeah we we do highly recommend that you contact PJ for any of your tool needs. He's a great guy, but we cannot guarantee that Memphis will always uh, be there to talk as well. <laughs> <laughs> Old crazy Memphis. Gotta love that guy. So, so where do we begin? I, I mean, I know I've sold tools in the past. Have you guys ever flipped, bought anything, restored it and flipped it before? 
I have. Yep. Yeah, I have. Uh, I've done a little bit. You know, it's it's mostly um, to to feed my habit of buying more stuff for myself. Um, I don't really so. do it as a business, but I, I mean, I guess you know, if you think of in the business mindset, um, it, it kind of works the same way. You know, if you're, you're trying to support something, and if it's a business, you know, you need to generally the thought is you need to buy low and sell high. So um, right. that's that's what I like to do. I, I look for. Uh, deals on items that I know I can buy for a decent price and then either immediately flip it for a higher price or do a little bit of work to it and flip it around um, maybe uh, you know a couple weeks or maybe a month later after I'm done with it and get a decent profit on it to support the business that is myself and working on my vices and getting the machines and tools that I need to work on my hobby. Um, so in a sense it is a is a business per se so that that's that's my thought on it and how we move forward with that and getting our own priorities uh taken care of what about you guys um so i i've done that a few times where i've bought something like if you if you can find something with um like i mean the margins in restoration or in uh junk selling (laughs) are fantastic i mean if you go to an auction or a yard sale, flea market. I mean, you can buy something that's worth a few hundred dollars for 10 bucks. I mean, even if you are, if you can get that that tool or that object to, to market at its actual value, you can crush it if you're going hitting the right places and you, you get a good deal on something. Um, I mean, I feel the same way um, generally as far as it's not a business for me, but if I find an opportunity, I'll go for it. I also, uh, at one point in my life, had a lot of time, and I enjoyed uh, just the process. I know we're all like smiles all around. Yeah, I know. yeah. Kids, kids are hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I bought a, I bought a lathe for two hundred and fifty bucks. I sold it to a business who needed it and was able to put it right to work for like eight hundred bucks. I mean, and I now, when you have a lot of time, I probably put a hundred hours in the machine. You know, if you do a price breakdown of dollars per hour, it's not great. But if you enjoy the work and it's kind of like a hobby, then it's not like you're getting burned on that. You know, it's still fun. Yeah, absolutely. If you're, you know, an Instagram content creator and or you enjoy putting pictures up and sharing it with people like that's cool. Like you just made something that was a piece of dog SHIT and you turn it into something beautiful and usable. That's fun, too. Like to see that comparison. I lo- I, I'm all about that. The before and after. Do we want to share our. Uh our our biggest profit or is that trade secret (laughs) man and a woman never asks a man never tells okay all right we don't have to tell that's okay well share it share it that's fine no no we'll we'll keep the the numbers off the books but you know we i think we've all had that time where we've you know got that one item and we're like oh wow i can sell this for quite a bit and you flip it and you have a you have a pretty decent day and i've I've had those. I'm sure you guys have had those as well. But let's get back on track. James, how, what do you do for um, buying and selling things? Um, usually, I usually try and uh, leave the tools that I've been increasing my workshop with in a better condition. So I get the useful life out of um, your your box store machines. And then, as PJ mentioned, you get them to like new conditions. And that way you can even sell them for at or even more than what you bought them for. And half of the tools I started out with were hand-me-downs, old Ryobi chop saws and skill saw hand saws and things like that. And 
if you just have the mind that um, you're not about to drop it off the roof every day and put holes in it and you know paint it all up, it, it's not too hard at the end of your life or when you upgrade to the next tool you need to give it a little bit of love and care and put it online. Um, the one tidbit I have, and I, I'm not sure if PJ mentioned it, but uh, with older tools, if, if you can, if you have the luxury of time and space to store something, and you have it reasonably priced, the right customer will come. Uh, Absolutely, for sure. Tries to to lowball you for something, and you know, unless you're really in a pinch and you need the cash, um, make sure you know what value you put back in that tool, and you know, the right person will come. That's not to say that you know every tool you restore is going to be worth a ton of money or or the history that you dig up on it still it's going to make it worth more than what the market would ever pay for it but right. again you, if you have the luxury of space really and time then you can you can have something out for sale and the right person will come along or you'll learn you know what you have it priced at is or is not uh approachable by the market so there's yeah. a lot to play with there but people are looking for tools all the time people are looking for old stuff that looks nice all the time so if you're putting value into something, as David mentions, you can find something cheap. And if you have the right resources and places to find them, lots of people are giving things away. Lots of people are trying to clear out estate sales, garage sales, antique stores. And so if you really see something, it, it doesn't cost you too much to get into it. And if you can add some value to it, give it some nice publicity, either pictures online or dig up the history. If you dig up the history, that for me, can help sell it even more if people know what they're getting know how it fit into the world at one time and it looks really nice they can show off and tell that story you know they'll be willing to pay you a few more bucks sometimes a lot more money if it really looks nice and it functions for sure yeah. yeah do you guys um just kind of like a side related thought here real quick um i know this applies for me and i'm sure it does you guys as well as um if you do this for an actual business um because oftentimes a lot of the guys I know that do this for a business, they have their own personal collections as well. Do you guys own something that no matter how much money somebody could offer you for it, you would never sell it? My truck at this point. The power wagon? Yeah. Okay, as much so I, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. It's interesting you brought it up. Like, I don't think I'd take any dollar value for it because at this point, when it's done, I'll probably have almost an entire year of my life sunk into it. And it'll probably be more. I'm being very optimistic about a year. I think it's going to be probably more than that. Right. Like every day, you know, 10, 12 hours a day when I go to the shop. I mean, I, I think even if I sold it for a crazy profit, like a stupid crazy profit, and then bought another one that someone else restored, even though it's not a, a concourse level restoration or like absolutely like factory new, I've handled every single part of that truck. I've fixed every single part on it by myself. Like there's nothing that can trade that value. And I think, you know, my kids will be able to have that. That's something that their dad made or remade, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think that's one for me. Uh, I mean, that's I'm cool. sure. What do you have? What do you have, dude? You probably got a vice that is like priceless to you. Yeah, so I, I have uh, the the big Athol 628. It's the the largest vice that Athol made, and I I found mine in pristine condition. It's the only one that looks like the one I have, and I I don't care if you came in and said I'll give you twenty thousand dollars, I wouldn't sell it. And the, also, I have uh, Dave knows our our escapades of uh, trying to find the foot pedal Walker Turner drills. 
um, <laughs> the, the one that the one. one that I bought, it, it was just immaculate. Like most times, you see the ring of shame on the table of a yeah. drill press. Well, <laughs> mine didn't have the slightest nick or peck in it at all, and I'm like, I can never get rid of this because I will never find another one like this ever again. What about you, Dave? James? Yeah, I think the first things that come to my mind are actually, you know, not all that impressive. It's it's the small sentimental tools that were passed down to me from my grandpa and then any tools that I get from my father. Um, you know, not that anybody would come searching for hand saws or ice picks or all the small old wooden woodworking tools, but, you know, those just are not for sale. Um, just yeah, how, much I, how much I've gotten into them, I don't think I could find myself selling both universal woodworkers. I see at least one machine always being a part of my shop. But if somebody came in with a really nice price wanting one or the other, I, I probably could part with them. The Sydney seems to be an even rarer find than the Crescent. So that's cool. But at the end of the day, if, if my shop in the future doesn't sustain two of them, you know, one of those could walk away from me. Uh, sure. It's kind of hard because I have a lot of time invested in learning about them and working on them but at the end of the day they don't hold that same sentimental part because you know hey i haven't gotten to restoring half of that the crescent yet so it, it doesn't kind of have that blood sweat and tears that dave's power wagon does but you know if i got into it that level then sure yeah i mean that truck to dave probably represents a year of your life and that'd be a much harder thing to walk away just for money Sure. Yeah, something about uh, the permanence of an object, and and it's and you know it's always it's always there. Um, and if you did exchange it for money, you know, unless you were like you absolutely had to, I mean, that money's not going to give you that same level of satisfaction. It's just it's water through your hands. You know, you can't really you never really hold on to it for that long. Or even if you do, it goes into a bank account and then it's just out in there in in virtual space swiping a credit card. There's nothing valuable about it. i mean obviously we all have to live our you know and, and support our physical human needs of you know food water shelter food you know etc but um it's interesting you i feel like there's always a lot of conversations around restored old tools and things like that or objects that do have sentimental value people always talk about selling them and it's like always like the one that got away you know that one that i deeply regret and i i I'd like to allow other people to have made that mistake for me and for me to have learned through their experience as opposed to my own, you know. Sure. Yes, yeah, I, I had that same experience, um, except in reverse with when I bought my, uh, the, the big eight inch Athol. Um, it was for sale really local to me and I would have never forgiven myself if I would have let somebody else get it when it was like in my backyard. Like the, the seller had people from other countries wanting him to ship it. Oh so my God. Wow. I, I had to, had to have it real, real fast. I just had a thought thinking through this. I mean, you're going to have that, that one of a kind vice to pass down to your kids. Um, and even if they don't use it as a vice, it's something that's manageable to pass down. And Dave, you, you've got a vehicle that can service the world and, and move you from point A to point B. I'm going to have to judge my children's interests in universal woodworkers because if they're not interested, there's going to be no estate sale guy that's going to want to deal with that. And it's going to end up in a scrapyard. So, no, 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 no,
somebody from the the future generation, somebody who hasn't been born yet in upstate New York is going to find this for sale at your estate sale. That's and right. him and two of his buddies are going to come to your house with a cherry picker <laughs> and the, the new the new hovering model U-Haul and get it out of your garage for $300, which is going to be worth where I know my mission is complete. My mission is finding the next guy to deal with this thing. Absolutely. You know, kind of, kind of, you know, sorry for the side thought there, but, you know, bringing it all together there, um, you know, that side thought turns into how it relates to a business where um, I know there are some people who can just buy and sell stuff and it's just whatever I'm making money, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. But and then I know a lot of people, myself included, where I buy it and I want to know about it. I want to know the history. I don't know. I want to know where it's been, what it's done. And I get attached to things a lot more easily than I think some people do. And if I if I ran a business, I'd be a terrible businessman because I'd be keeping everything that I bought instead of selling it. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. You kind of you get attached to their personality and the stories and all that stuff. And you, you want to put a value on it, but it's it can be too much. <laughs> you know, it's like. True. Yeah, I'll sell it to you for a thousand dollars, but no one would want it for a thousand dollars. You know, it's like, and I think that's how people end up with personal collections is they've they've crossed that line where it, it becomes a price to walk away from them becomes something nobody else would pay for. So you end up just collecting. Sure. Then you got to be careful because then you just end up with it all in your yard, and nobody. Yeah. Buy it. But I want I want to revisit something that James was talking about earlier. I, I think it, it resonated with me a lot, and we 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 moved on to some other things. The idea that uh, if you leave something on the market long enough, the right buyer will come along. I think there's a lot to that, and like you said, if if you have the ability to store something, um, and and maybe even if you have the intention of selling it at some point, but you do want to enjoy it, and you put it at a price point that's a little bit higher than maybe the average buyer would pay, you can enjoy it for a while while that that uh, buyer materializes for you. Like for instance, um, my my printing press. I wasn't sure that I wanted to sell it um, and I planned on restoring it, but I wasn't sure that I really needed one and it took up a lot of space in my shop. So I listed it on eBay, or not eBay, on Facebook Marketplace at a price significantly higher than I thought anyone would pay for it. And uh, that gave me a lot of room to negotiate when the time came if anybody did even reach out and it kept um, it kept a lot of potential buyers away while I enjoyed looking at it and piling my tools on top of it and letting it collect <laughs> dust in my shop. So um, but eventually that, you know, my prints did eventually come. Oh, printing press joke. My prints eventually came. <laughs> he, he, he carried it away for a price that I was very excited about. And I, you know, made 500 percent profit on it. Um, and that was cool. And I'm glad to have had the shop space back. I'm glad that it made its journey into my life. I mean, honestly, I think the most satisfying thing about that project was just the recovery of it, pulling it out of you know this dilapidated building with a with a truck. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. But yeah, know, don't don't really, forget though, you um you, you crippled an engine hoist. I did. I pretzeled it, as you said. Pretzel. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's a really interesting thing to explore, though, because. Honestly, most of the things we find are usually through very difficult avenues. Uh, PJ mentioned that sometimes folks that have these things aren't very good at using modern day internet tools to post and list and to, you know, discover and promote what they have. So there really can even be a business covering 
and doing these tools justice as they are. I mean, you don't even have to restore it to make money. Again, you need the space, you need the time, and you need the skill to be able to either market it correctly or find where people typically go to buy those things. Um, but if you can use the right words, you'll end up in search engines, and if you can take the right images, you can you know, definitely sell a story. For to the sure. Right yeah. um, I know people that buy and sell snowmobiles and they will buy any snowmobile on the market under a certain threshold and they will part it out just because they've got the space. They've built the entire industry about being able to know they can buy any machine at any you know condition and there's something going to be valuable that, that they can increase the price and if, if they can wait, somebody's going to break something on that machine and come looking for it. So right. there's, there's the whole side of that business of just having it and being able to market folks. Hell, if I could find somebody who had certain pieces and parts of Crescent Woodworkers for sale, I'm sure I would be paying 500% to get that right part back to me instead of trying Absolutely. to put it together. So um, that alone can be a business. Again, time, a little bit of savvy on, on the internet and, um, and some patience. And you could, you could definitely make that a, a side hustle if you had the right opportunities. Yeah. Quick, yeah. quick story about the uh, finding things with people that, you know, don't necessarily, you know, use the Internet very much or just make uh, very obscure ads as to what is for sale kind of things. The biggest honey hole that I ever found was like almost by mistake. I was on Craigslist and I saw an ad for two bridge clamps you know the big heavy duty armstrong bridge clamps with the square headed bolt on the end they're like massive things and he he had two of these for sale for five dollars for both of them so i was like sure they're about 30 minutes away from me and you know you couldn't touch any of them for five dollars because they're they're pretty valuable so i said yep i'll come get them i show up there this man has everything everything under the sun electric motors, steam engines, tools, lathes, drill presses, all the everything in his house, in his basement, in the garage. He had hoists so he could move things around. He was a, a former electrical engineer who wired his own single phase, three phase. And get this, he even had two phase power. Yeah. Two-phase is a thing that some yeah. some tools do use two-phase power. They are pretty rare, but he, he had it all, and it all it was all wired up. And I, I literally stayed there for probably two hours just going through his stuff and talking to him when I thought I was just going to buy $5 bridge clamps. And it was that was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Isn't that – I have almost uh... – the same story about clamps being the introduction. I was doing a woodworking project where I need pipe clamps. I needed really long pipe clamps. And this lady listed a whole collection, like 10 of them for, you know, a hundred bucks, which was, which was decent. They were in good shape, but she had a similar, she had an identical post, but for her whole garage sale. But the only thing I ever found was pipe clamps. So I show up to a garage sale. And I ended up buying, you know, two, two tool chests, an extension ladder, shop vacs, pipe clamps, vice, a drill press, hand planes, all because, you know, I was there and she's like, well, I've got all this other stuff for sale and the garage sale doesn't start till later, but do you want to buy it? I'm like, yes. yes. Absolutely. <laughs> of course yeah. I do. So 
you, you never know what happens, but you, you got to ask when you get there because, you know, everything's for sale sometimes for the right, right seller. Yeah. See, like, you know, James and I, we have to contact people, but Dave, he sits in his, in his dungeon and he has people contact <laughs> him saying, Hey dude, I got power wagon parts. You want them? <laughs> Come to Canada. That is, yeah, that was the only, that was the only one. I've gotten a couple times with that. I guess but the, the take home from all this is, you know, be, be daring, ask questions, you know, try and press these people to see what they have. I like to do it over the phone. And I, I found um, the people that list like, you know, the crusty old man who's listing on Craigslist, like, just call me. No messages allowed. Like those guys always have the best stuff. They'll, you know, they, the <laughs> old fogey that don't know how to use the interwebs are great for having uh, large collections because they've been alive so long that they've had lots of time to accumulate all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and if they ever try and cut the conversations short with, look, you just got to come here. You're going to love everything you see. Just, just come here and buy it all. You know, you go and you listen, you say, yes, sir. And you go and you buy it. <laughs> Always bring more money than you think you'll need so you can get that good inventory. That's uh, you know, I feel like um, one thing PJ harped on a little bit too, is like, if you are getting into selling stuff, like, have have volume of sales be just you know sell stuff cheap you know make a profit on it but like if you're unless you've got some really rare stuff just get a ton of stuff and sell it on craigslist i think it sounds like pj crushes it by selling like 20 dollars drills yeah you pay five dollars for something and twenty dollars is significantly cheaper than a new man one that you buy from lowe's you're still going to make a ton of money like i think that's the margins are incredible they really yeah. are I, I always think about that a lot with uh, vices and, and machinery. Um, you know, I see some people, I mean, obviously, if you have something that you know is worth X, Y, Z, you know, amount of money for, you know, please go ahead and sell it for that. That I, I hope you do get that price. But the, the people that are offering deals, you know, I, I think they make considerably more money than the people who hold out for the high prices. I mean, you guys agree? Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, they're living in Beverly Hills or anything, but if, again, if you can, if you can have a pace to it and have a volume and storage, then, uh, you can definitely make it happen. I had a thought that, that PJ's got it right too, because he's able to move a high volume of tools. He's able to give people deals, which means he's building relationships and it can really come down to building a strong network. If you've got a network of buyers and sellers and folks that are looking to move material and they know you're interested, they'll call you first. If they know that you'll pay a reasonable price to help them get rid of something that may seem cumbersome to, to them at the time, then you can end up with good prices and the ability to help others by not charging through the roof on them. And those relationships can go you know, really far in making your name known and making the quality that you're putting into your tools known and making yourself an asset to folks that are looking for either tools on the cheap or looking for the right tools restored the right way. Um, so there's a lot to be said for staying active and moving that material and, and being vocal to those that are looking for aspects that you have to sell because then they know that you're an asset in the market. So That is true. That, that is a great point, James. Um, you know, and like, like we said, you know, we're – we're not active uh, businessmen in, in the restoration world here, uh, but we do um, understand some of the concepts. And like we said in the beginning, uh, we hope to be bringing on uh, individuals who will be 
discussing their actual businesses with us um, and how they use restoration to keep their businesses running, either if that's their full-time job or if it's a uh, side job to help bring in additional income. And, and we hope you uh, are enjoying the interviews as we, as we come up, you know, coming off of uh, PJ's interview. That was very exciting to have him on. And coming up in the next few weeks, we will have even more interviews for you. And uh, we hope you enjoy those. Um, so please get in contact with us. And if there's somebody out there that we haven't interviewed yet that you think we should have on the show, please let us know who he or she is. We'd be happy to do a little bit of research and, and have them on the show. We're always looking for um, interesting people in the community to bring on and uh, have for interviews. Yep, reach out. We're, we're out here thinking about this stuff all the time. We know you are, too. Um, I mean, if you're someone that actually thinks they have something to contribute to this program, we'd love to have you on as well. Be like, be like PJ, the junk hunter. Be an advocate for yourself. He came to us. He said, hey, we want to be on the show. And we loved having it. It was awesome. We, we want to yeah. talk to you guys. So if you're out there in uh, Instagram land, come jump on board. We want to talk to you. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and we want this show to be an asset. We've, we've talked around um, if the Restoration Podcast is, is an avenue that you could get uh, a special discussion going, whether it's via our Instagram or even a, a shout out on the podcast, there's a specific type of tool or machine or, or antique thingamabob that is really just escaping your grasp or escaping your ability to, to finalize and you need our platform to help you, we'd love to entertain that and find the right way to, you know, make that a little small part of this, this podcast. Um, so if you've got ideas, if, if you know others that are looking for certain parts to their machines um, and they, you think this platform would be a good place, uh, we can work with you there. And I'd be interested in, in either talking through it on the podcast or using our Instagram platform to help you out. So let us know, share those things with us, and we really want this to be a tool for everyone as well as entertainment. Yeah, for sure. It's it's just in the initial, um, you know, discussion ideas, you know, getting the ideas out there. But we kind of have a, a small format of having at the end of the show, we have anybody who's messaged in, you know, probably maybe one or two per week. We'll have to see how much time we have available. Um, but we could say something, you know, like Joe Smith is looking for XYZ part for his bandsaw. If you have one, send him a message and you, we can put your contact info in there. Um, so if you think that would be something good that we should add to the podcast, please get in contact with us and we can uh, certainly add that to our, our regimen here. Um, We're also looking for podcast ideas moving forward. We, uh, we, we come up with stuff all the time that, that, we, want, we, that we want to chat about and explore. But we know you guys have ideas out there, too. I mean, it could be anything from um, more of the business side of stuff. It could be more about tip side stuff. It could be if you want us to dive into um, really anything. Bring it up. We, we know you guys are active at the community, and I, we know you have thoughts. We're not, the, we don't have the, uh, we're not a brain trust on what, what restoration is all about. We want to hear what you guys have to say as well. I don't want to shy away from those topics if none of us are the expert, too, because if we're not the expert, we can definitely find somebody out there that um, we can interview and uh, use that as the Q&A to get the answers that folks that use this podcast are looking for. Absolutely. And we say it all the time and we don't get tired of saying it. Thank you to the listeners. We really appreciate you guys listening in and we really appreciate the ones that contact us and give us ideas and um, tell us how we're doing. We, we thank you guys. We appreciate your listenership. Uh, once again, you can always contact us 
at the Restoration Podcast on Instagram, as well as our email, the Restoration Podcast at gmail.com. Don't be afraid to get a hold of us. Uh, any final thoughts, guys, before we wrap it up here? No, thanks for listening. Yeah. Get back to work. Breaks yeah. over. Get back in the shop. Yep. Get back to work. Get back to restoring. Get back to selling. Get back to doing what you do and reach out to us if you need some help. All right, guys. We appreciate you. Have a great night. And this has been the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. Bye. 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 See ya. Bye.